Now, for all the companies getting from where they started until they figure out product market fit, it was years. It was five years for Microsoft. It was 10 years for Netflix. It was three and a half years for Waze. It was always years to get to this point of time. And you never heard of a company that did not figure out product market fit. They simply died and you didn't hear about them. What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy, Waterboy, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to Uri Levine. He's the co-founder of Waze. Uri hated getting stuck in traffic, so he helped start a company, Waze, to fix this problem. And if you don't know, Google acquired Waze for over $1.1 billion. Uri also started another company called MoveIt, another real-time transit app, which sold to Intel for another billion dollars. Uri's a serial entrepreneur, and it was amazing to talk with him. He's also written a recent book, Fall in love with the problem, not the solution. You can check it out at yurilevine.com slash book. That's U-R-I-L-E-V-I-N-E dot com slash book. Fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Now, if you've ever wanted to learn about turning your anger into success in business, you're going to love this episode. Here's three gigantic things you're going to take away. One, why 10 years is the magic number in entrepreneurship. Two, the two things, get it, that will support your business during the hard times. And three, why interpretation is everything in both business and dating. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. By the way, if you want to launch your own business, but you don't know where to start and need some help, I have reopened my course, Monthly 1K, for just 10 bucks. Yes, just $10. It's helped thousands of people start their business journey, and I think it'll help you too. Head over to okdork.com slash monthly 1K and sign up. That's okdork.com slash monthly 1K. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Elatric. That's a close screen name. She left a review saying, great help to entrepreneurs. Noah shares great ideas and personal insight. Thank you so much for your feedback. I love you and every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want to shout out in a future episode, leave a review where you ever listen to the show. I check every single one of them. The likelihood of an entrepreneur to be successful in the second time is dramatically higher than the first time, regardless what happened on the first time, right? So, so the journey itself is the core of the learning. And whether or not you are successful or not, part of it has to do with your execution, part of it has to do with luck, and uh, end of the day, you only increase the likelihood of being successful by keep on trying. Two thoughts come to mind with that. One, when I'm hiring at my company, if someone's failed a lot, not in a, as an entrepreneur, but in, in like a job, like they worked at not good companies, I also am like, maybe they're just not good. <laughs> like, I'm like, they have really bad selection. That, that's definitely sometimes... As an entrepreneur, maybe different, but as like an employee. So I, I agree. So you basically say, okay, these guys have bad luck. I don't want them in my organization, right? But as an entrepreneur, you're right. It's like I've tried a lot of companies until AppSumo.com, like fail, fail, didn't work, fired, all these things. Eventually, like 10 years, eventually something started working. 10 years is the magic number, right? So you look at um, the most successful companies in the world, right? Take all the NASDAQ companies less than 40 years old and ask yourself for each one of them and in the aggregations how much of the value was created on the first decade versus the rest of the journey right and in some cases in google case the rest of the journey is 15 years and in some younger companies the rest of the journey might be five right and it's only four percent of the value of the aggregated value created on the first decades of those companies and 96 percent created in the rest of the journey and the reason is very simple right at the beginning of the journey you're trying to figure out product market fit right if you don't then you will die but it takes you years to figure that out right so most people would want to think that okay this is a uh, 
this is the idea and it works and this is it, right? But it's not. It's a long journey to figure out product market fit. And then you need to figure out a business model and growth. And each one of them is a journey and each one of them is a journey of failures because you're going to try multiple things until you find the one thing that does work. But I'll give you an example, right? Think of all the companies, all, all the all the applications that you're using every day, right? So so maybe WhatsApp and Google and Waze and uh, Uber and whatever, and ask yourself, what is the difference between the application that I'm using today and the first time that you have used that? And the answer is that there is no difference, right? We are searching Google today the same way that we search Google for the first time. We are using Waze today the same way that we use Google, Waze for the first time. And so on, right? Where you're watching Netflix today the same way that we watch Netflix for the same time. So once you figure out product market fit, you don't change the product anymore. You don't change the value proposition anymore. You change a lot of things on the background. You figure out business model. You figure out growth. You support more languages. You have non-failure system. A lot of things happening on the background. But from the perspective of the user, you don't change the value proposition anymore. Now, for all the companies getting from where they started until they figure out product market fit, it was years. It was five years for Microsoft. It was 10 years for Netflix. It was three and a half years for Waze. It was always years to get to this point of time. And you never heard of a company that did not figure out product market fit. They simply died, and you didn't hear about them. And realizing that this is a long journey turns out to become, so what is the most important behavior that we would like to see from the CEO or the founder CEO? And the answer is simply persistency. Someone that is not going to give up. Perseverance. We are looking to see that behavior throughout the entire roller coaster journey. And, you know, in a roller coaster journey, it startups and you have seen, you've been at one, so you know, you know, there are ups and downs a few times a day, right? It is what it is, right? <laughs> um, if you don't like extreme sports, then maybe, maybe it's not for you, right? <laughs> but, but that part of the long journey at the beginning, and you only get to, to the runway, you only get to take off after somewhere between seven to 10 years. People not often realize that it's long and it's hard and it's fun. Before ways, did you have a lot of ones that didn't work? You were, you were um, so there was one, and then I um, actually I was trying to um, raise capital. So, so so this is a, a piece of history. This is year two thousand and two, and I went to meet some friends in the U.S. trying to raise capital for internet work. Um, text messages, right? So, so 20 years ago, you were, uh, if you were at Sprint, you were unable to send a message to someone on Verizon, right? And uh, which basically doesn't make sense, right? So, so why in heaven do I even have that if I unable to send messages to most of my friends, right? And so I thought that I'm gonna, um, build a system that actually creates the interoperability between users. And I went to the US to raise capital and I ended up with, um, being recruited by OpenWave, that were the pioneer of the mobile internet. Um, and I stayed there for a few more days and years, and then I came back and started to help other startups as a consultant and started Waze in 2007. 
And during the Waze journey, and after that, I had uh, multiple startups that failed. And, uh, and you know, each one of them is, uh, you look back and you ask yourself, would I know to identify that in the next one? And the answer is probably not. <laughs> <laughs> as scary as it is, that's the right answer. <laughs> I guess you learned some, but it's some, yeah. You learned some, but, but look, m- most of the cases is is... In some cases, people have changed, right? And um, obviously, if market have changed, then then market have changed, right? Um, but people have changed, and, and not sure that you would be able to figure that out uh, beforehand. And in some cases, it's simply tough. It is what it is. What was the problem you identified? Because you know you have this book, fall in love with the problem. What, when you <laughs> thought of ways or, or solving, what was the problem you wanted to solve? I hate traffic jams. I know, we try to get here. There's a lot of traffic. Exactly. (laughs) I hate traffic jams. I hate waste in general. I hate traffic jams. I hate uh, waiting in lines. And and so it's usually, for me, would be frustrating point that I would allow myself to remain frustrated for a longer period of time to think if I can figure out something to do about that. And uh, um, to a certain extent, I would say I would allow myself to get from being frustrated to being angry. And when you're angry, then it's a call for action, right? And you're trying to do something, and you're trying to figure that out. And in most cases, if I can, then it will end up as a start. Right? If I can't, then it is what it is, right? Um, then I will let it go. But uh, um, but I want to think of, of a problem that is worth solving. And, and for me, this is pretty consistent, right? So... All of my startups are about solving a problem. And when you are solving a problem, the good thing is the world is going to become a better place if you solve it. Actually, it's going to become a better place if someone else will solve that as well. And entrepreneurs, end of the day, they want to make an impact. They want to change the world. They want to make it a better place. Not for themselves, for everyone else. And Waze is obviously doing that, and Movit is doing that, and Bonterra is doing that, and Fairfly is doing that, and Citri is doing that. And all of my startups, uh, this is exactly what they're doing. They're trying to make the world a better place. You know, we mentioned earlier, it's a roller coaster journey. It's a long journey. There is the longest, it's hard journey, right? The longest part of the journey is, is like crossing a desert, right? There is nothing works, right? In order to go through this journey, the mission needs to be right. There are two things that will carry you through the challenging period of of this journey. The mission needs to be right, and the team needs to be right. And if these two are right, most likely you'll go through uh, this period of time. And right mission could be many things, but solving a problem is always right mission. If the problem is real. If there is no problem, right, then sometimes I tell people, look, Think of a problem. Think of a big problem, something that is really worth solving. And then ask yourself, so who has this problem, right? Now, if you happen to be the only person on the planet with this problem, then I would say, you know what? (laughs) I have an excellent shrink who can help you with that. But but if a lot of people actually have this problem, then go and speak with those people and understand their perception of the problem. And only then go and build a solution. So all of my startups are always about solving a problem. Now, it's not the only successful companies, right? You will find out that there are companies that uh, have created their own industry, and there was no specific problem beforehand, and they ended up to be extremely successful. But for me, it's always about solving a problem. 
it also creates um, so much easier engagement with customers or with uh, users, right? Because if they share the problem, then you only need to speak about the problem. You don't even need to tell them what you're doing. How do you know the problem's painful enough? Like, how do you sol- know you're solving a, an important enough problem? You speak with um, people that you tend to believe that have this problem. It goes like that, right? If you start by telling them about the problem, and they will come back and tell you their version of the problem, they have this problem. If they have no idea what you're talking about, they don't. What other things were you angry about? You said you're angry about traffic. I'm curious the other pro- angers and then the companies that have started from that. Well, I'll give you an example, right? So, so you were in Spain now, and if you buy goods in Spain or any place in Europe, you're actually entitled to get the VAT back. So, and, and this tax is about 20% in Europe, right? When you try to do that, it simply doesn't work, right? There's always bad things happen, right? You go to the airport, there is long line at the custom. You go to the store and they tell you, uh, we don't have the right forms today. Come back tomorrow, right? Or, or you know, r- from Rome, trying to fly to Tel Aviv, if you would ask them, they will tell you, of course, we have tax refund. It's uh, in a different terminal, right? So something bad happens there. And in more than 90% of the cases, people fail to get their money back. And so I said, wait a minute, this needs to be changed, right? Refund it is doing that completely digitally. What you have to do is uh, scan the receipt, scan the boarding pass, scan your passport, get your money back. As simple as that. Refund it? Refund it. Now, this is um, probably a deal we'll follow up with uh, sending you information about all the startups. But this is starting from frustration, right? And then you, you get angry because you say, wait a minute, are you ripping me off? What exactly is going on here, right? And you realize that they don't. It's simply complex because this is how they're doing things, not because they want to. And simplifying things is going to make, uh, in many cases, it's going to solve a problem, right? Because in many cases, people don't doing things because it's too complex, right? Not because they don't know. They will say that they don't know, but it's simply too complex. Have any of the problems that you thought were really significant and you solved or you tried to solve people didn't actually want it? Like you started doing this one and yeah, that turned yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What there are some examples one? of that? Amazing example. So when you order an Amazon package in the U.S., it will be delivered to your house, right? Even if you're not at home, right? It will be left by the doorsteps or um, if you're living in a, a multi-story, uh, multi-family house, then there is probably a doorman. In Israel, they don't. They will bring you a note that there is a package waiting for you at the post office. Now, guess what? Post office is actually most uh, one of the most hated places on the planet because there are always long lines and there is no parking, right? And so we started here a service um, back in 2015 or 16 or, or not sure exactly when that basically say when you get this note from the post office, scan that and we will have an Uber-like service, uh, Uber delivery-like service that will actually fetch this package for you and bring it to you, right? Must, that must, guaranteed work. Absolutely, right? And then we started to create traction. People were happy to pay you anything that you like. We actually tried that with uh, tips at the beginning, ended up to be more than we thought that people are going to pay us. And then the postal services started to increase or improve their service, right? So they went into delivery to into 7-Eleven stores, right? right. Or, or grocery store next to your house and the package is waiting for you at 7-Eleven. 
um, which is much easier to pick up because it's around the clock. And, uh, um, and they, they actually did uh, um, multiple services to so open up the, the, the hours of operation until midnight. And um, you can actually reserve your place in line online. And, uh, um, and so you ended up with uh, so many services that they offered in order to improve their service that when you ask other people, and even though that those services didn't work, when you ask other people, they tell you, but it's already solved, right? And so the problem, the perception of the problem disappeared. And then you, you basically say, okay, now I'm competing against something that is not leading to frustration anymore. Or the perception is not, it's not, it's already solved. And, and, and you basically say, I don't want to compete with that. I want to solve problem where people feel the pain. If they don't feel the pain, then, then I don't care. I find it amusing because you seem like a positive, happy person, but your success comes from anger. <laughs> like, uh, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> anger is a strong drive, right? I realized that, that anger is a strong drive, and therefore I, I reroute myself into an anger to think of the, the, in order to encourage the creativity. But I am a happy person, so, so you're right. <laughs> uh, you seem happy. You seem pretty content. Now, I've been talking with my friends where, like, I'm dating. Like, my professional life, I lo- the anger, the challenge, the problems, I love all of it. In my dating life, I'm single, and uh, I get a little bit of a problem. Last week, I had a little bit of a This girl didn't, didn't res- respond to me. And I like, I, like, fell apart. And so, I'm just trying to learn, think about how you would approach that and think about that. Like, in business, I'm like, didn't respond to you? Okay, fine, no, no, let's move forward. But it's somehow on the, the relationship side, I'm, I haven't... You know, but I, I think part of it is like, well, have you gotten a lot of reps in? Have I gotten the practice? Have I kept getting back up and moving forward? So, so I can help you with that as yeah, well. Yeah, that's why I, would, I, I had a feeling you would. Because my um, rabbi, you know. So, so here is what I would say, right? In general, and then obviously in relationship as well, we are facing a situation, right? Whatever it is, that the next thing that happens is the interpretation, right? So we have our own interpretation. If there could be multiple interpretation and there is one that you like the most, pick one. <laughs> pick that one. <laughs> it's the same in the relationship. And by the way, what usually happens is that it's actually sort of a vicious circle, right? So there is an event, right? Whatever the event is, right? And, and, um, and then there is one side interpretation. And as a result of their interpretation, there is an action, right? That action becomes... The new event and triggers the cycle on the other side, right? So now there is a new event, interpretation on the other side, and action on the other side, right? And so as long as you are in this cycle, you will only be able to break that. And, and for a second, we'll say we are a couple, right? And, and you are getting angry, and I'm actually fading away. You are becoming angrier because I'm not responding to your anger, right? And so the result is that it always goes down unless you break that cycle. And if you break that cycle and basically say, okay, wait a minute, there was interpretation here, either mine or, or hers, that needs to be revisited or reconsidered, then you will end up with an um, unsuccessful relationship. And if you're able to figure that out and say, okay, wait a minute, let's revisit the interpretations which are in many cases, they are wrong, right? They have to do with uh, your state of mind and not the other part of the state of mind. Um, then you're probably going to be in a much better shape. So for a second, I would say, take that to your life and you will thank me later. Yeah, that is my interpretation of the events. It's always the interpretation, right? Because um, 
you know, something happens and, uh, um, and, and we basically, our interpretation has in many cases nothing to do with the event, but has to do with our state of mind. Because you will go to the same place, to the same event all over again in a different time, a different place, and you'll have a different interpretation. Yes. So pick the interpretation that you like. That is a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as we did making it for you. Go give Uri's book some love at urilevine.com slash book. That's U-R-I levine.com slash book. The book is called Fall in Love with the Problem, Not the Solution. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go on a road trip together. And before you go, tweet at me, Instagram, DM, TikTok, whatever. Let me know what you think of the episode. I love hearing from you. Also, remember to go subscribe to my email list. I put my best tips into a single short email each and every week, and I hook up exclusive email content. That is at okdork.com. Final couple of shout-outs to the amazing team that makes all this happen. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for making these podcasts sound so good. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, George, Cam, Sasa, Nikki, and Jen from the Dork team for all the magic y'all do. Finally, shout-out to all the people at AppSumo Support. That's Anna Girardelli, Andrew, Dylan, Lauren, Paula, Victor, and Amy. Uh, so much amazing stuff comes from our support team and how they take care of all the sumolings. Thank you, each and every one of you. Have a friendly day. What's your favorite pen? Pen.